Hello, and welcome to The Block Explorer. I'm Colin Brightfield. Hey folks, I'm Cash Upton. The Block Explorer is here to educate and inspire you about the world of crypto and NFTs. We'll do deep dives into critical concepts for understanding what's happening and discuss the current events shaping the space. We're making this podcast for the curious, free thinkers, and the change makers that propel us forward. As we embark on our adventures, remember that none of this is financial advice and crypto can be risky. In this episode, we explore the world of refi spirals protocol. Helena Merck and Aaron Price tell us how spirals is building a protocol to weave regenerative infrastructure directly into any proof of stake blockchain. Well, Cash, that was an incredibly inspiring conversation. Yeah, I just love the the actual implementation that they're doing to directly offset uh, climate and and being able to implement it across any blockchain to really dispel that narrative that crypto and blockchain are at odds. Yeah, and with their enthusiasm for the leverage that you can create by fixing it at a system, you know, the systematic layer with the infrastructure is is really what I wanted to you know underline is that that's how this whole regenerative finance thing really works is that it scales exponentially because you're fixing the systems on which everything runs. So if you fix, you know, you fix those systems, then the whole infrastructure that everything's built on top of it also becomes regenerative by nature, by being built on top of those foundations. Yeah. It takes the guesswork out of it, right? If every time you make a transaction, it's built into the code that it's making a regenerative action happen and we can continue to live our lives and not be destroying things that we love. Excellent. Well, let's get into our conversation with Helena and Aaron from Spirals Protocol. Hi, Helena and Aaron. Thank you for coming on the Block Explorer podcast today. We're thrilled to have you. So excited to be here. Uh, I've been listening to some of the other episodes and I'm honored that, that we get to chat today. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. I've loved our conversations we've had before, so I'm just eager to get to chat again. We're excited to chat with you just as much as you are to chat with us, and we're here to discuss a few main topics with you. Uh, Number one, we want to discuss your background, what got you into Web3, what got you into this journey, and what you're building now. And then we want to dig into your protocol, Spirals Protocol, and how it works. And then lastly, we want to get some perspective on the Web3 space as a whole, the refi space, and you know, see where you think things are kind of moving and what your vision is for the future. Does that sound good? Sounds amazing. Let's do it. All right. Let's dive in. Cash, go ahead. Yeah. Why don't we just give our listeners a little background? How how did you two uh, get started in the Web3 space? I can kick things off and then I'll hand it to you, Aaron. Um, so I was definitely one of those that was anti-Web3, anti-crypto. A lot of my friends were diving into it over the last few years and I would look at it like, ew, gross, NFTs. Um, crypto, stay away. Uh, and um, this was why I was running my previous startup, Blimps. Um, we built a company for about three years. And um, towards the end of it, I realized that I was kind of ready to do my next thing and wasn't too excited anymore by the space we were in, which was video chat. And, um, you know, one of my closest friends and actually now housemate kind of kept calling me. I was living in Berlin at the time. And he was like, Helena, Helena, like you have to look at Daz. And you have to look at Solana and you have to do all these things. I was like, like, no, like I don't have to do any of these. Like I'm busy running a startup. And, um, you know, eventually he got through to me 
Um, and I remember what he told me was basically like, just because all the use cases that you're seeing as an outsider are are awful and degenerate, like apes and you know, like random stuff that people are shilling, that doesn't mean the technology isn't fascinating and isn't a set of tools that we can use to drive like wild change uh, in our world. And he kind of opened the door to me um, around, um, you know, mass coordination and and DAOs and what happens when two DAOs exchange tokens and how that creates this actual interlinking and alliance because now they own part of each other. And I saw this and I was like, wow, you know, we can actually scale the magic and wonder of a co-op. You know, this is a, a chain uh, of like, or interlocking co-ops and that, that magic that one has where, you know, members are, are receiving the benefits of an organization are finally able to be actualized. And now we have a set of tools to iterate on policy at the pace we've been iterating on tech for the last two decades. So I don't know, I was living in Berlin, working on my other startup and went super deep down the crypto rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, oh, darn. Like, I, I, <laughs> I have to go and pursue this. So we actually ended up selling the previous startup uh, in February. Um, and I took some time to take a step back and explore climate um, and went everywhere from growing my own algae to, you know, you know, trying other consumer plays and then only to realize that actually I think the coordination software that is blockchain could fit really, really well uh, in the kinds of system level changes we were hoping to make in carbon markets. So I'll pause there. But that, 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 that algae growing piece of the journey very much overlapped with, with how I met Aaron. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and I loved hearing that, Helena. And it's funny, like, how similar our backgrounds are in the sense of I am a total and still like with a lot of crypto, I mean, consider myself a crypto skeptic, um, which is pretty funny than working in this space today. Um, for me, you know, I was in school, I was doing that really passionate about climate. My background is in kind of climate and atmospheric and oceanic monitoring. Um, and it was so interesting for me is I, I really started as this, you know, scientist. And I was like, if I can collect this accurate scientific data, I can inform politicians. And then became pretty disillusioned with kind of that means of making change. Um, and really realized for me, like the most exciting opportunity and the way I can make the most impact on climate, which is this problem I care so deeply about, is through technology and entrepreneurship. And was like, okay, this is super cool. I can make an impact. And then I went to college and was just feeling so upset and so frustrated that I, you know, had this experience in high school where I was getting to make real impact. And despite it being imperfect in my data that I was collecting, not, you know, making the change I was hoping for it to make, I did feel like I was educating and engaging my community. And that was really huge for me. And so to then go to college and feel like I was, you know, solving these problems that have been solved before and just doing things that are graded and thrown away was so frustrating. Um, and so I was looking for kind of an alternative means of education. And that's when I met Helena, um, got connected to through her, um, through a friend, uh, Nathan. And we just started jamming on climate stuff. And I remember, it was funny, we, we started chatting. <laughs> And oh boy, <laughs> some, some story is going to come out of this. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> we, were, we were talking and, you know, we were playing with different ideas. We started growing algae together, uh, which was super fun. Her algae was more successful than mine. So <laughs> I mean, it was a bit greener, but, um, um, it <laughs> um, but, but, you know, we were playing with these ideas, looking at like algae, looking at like a carbon currency, things like that. And I remember so adamantly being like, in my head at least, I don't know if I was comfortable voicing this to Helena at the time, but was like, 
oh my gosh, we need to go with the Web2 solution. Like this Web3 stuff is crazy. I like, I'm so nervous about this. Oh my gosh. And so it's funny that now like we're working in Web3 and like coming into Web3 was like totally for me was like, hey, I think Helena is like awesome. And I'm really passionate about kind of her way of thinking and it's like reimagining um, economics. And so leaned into it with this like idea of, hey, I just want to be working with Helena and learn as much from her as possible. Um, and now it's shifted into this really deep belief in, hey, this is this really exciting opportunity to kind of reimagine and realign incentives. Um, and so I've definitely been green pilled for sure. <laughs> yeah, we like taking the green pill here on the Block Explorer. So you're you're, uh, you're in good company. I, I love uh, both of your stories, and and I think it's um, it's interesting that this little section of of crypto, you know, the 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 refi uh, space, the impact space, how it kind of it, it kind of sucks you in even deeper, right? It's kind of, pre- it's pretty far down the rabbit hole, I think, you know, a lot of ways. Uh, some people kind of come at it more from the climate angle, like maybe like you, Aaron. But I think, you know, it's, it's, you've, when you, for me, it's kind of like when you travel to a place that's really hard to get to, like you maybe, if you have to take like a one plane, a, a normal plane flight, then like a little tuddle, tiny like puddle jumper, then like a boat, and then maybe like another boat. The people you <laughs> meet when you get there, right, are always really interesting because it's like it was hard to get there and it's, it's kind of out of the way. And I think kind of refi is kind of a shelling point in that way and it attracts um, imaginative people like like yourselves. So speaking of refi, um, how would you explain, you know, this regenerative finance or you mentioned the green pill? Like what, is, what does that mean uh, to you? And especially for maybe if you're explaining to someone that's that's newer to the whole crypto thing and they, they're just still trying to understand what Bitcoin is. Mm-hmm. To me, the the easiest way of explaining it actually like uh, compare and contrast to what we have now. Um, you can think of the current economy as extractive. You know, the more it's being used, the more negative externalities we have. You know, we haven't truly priced in things like emissions to ordering a latte at Starbucks. Right. And and that at a global scale has caused an economy that creates what we have now with our climate crisis. Uh, and a regenerative economy is one where with more use, it heals itself. Um, so it kind of undoes the bad. It is, it's beyond sustainable. Um, I mean, even if emissions stop now, I think a lot of people are aware, but like even if emissions stop now, we're still kind of screwed. Right. So so we need to go beyond like net neutral, beyond sustainable into something that's that's regenerative. Yeah. And just adding on to that, I mean, I think that's this amazing opportunity of Web3 is, oh my gosh, now we can actually play with this and we can imagine and actually implement this regenerative, you know, economy and explore these ideas without having to be this governmental organization that's issuing this new fiat currency. And I think that's really like a lot of the excitement for me around Web3 right now. Yeah, us too. Um, the the like you said, what can get written into the protocol at the code level uh, has a lot of impact, and that's why we are so excited to hear about what Spirals protocol is doing. So, do you want to give us the the elevator TLDR um, of of what you guys are all doing? And yeah, I'd love to. We can go super deep on this, but let's start at a high level. Um, we want to build like a regenerative backbone for a new economy which to us means playing at the infrastructure level. Um, if the if every single validator on a blockchain is regenerative or contributing to some kind of positive externality um, or sharing its block rewards with climate, um, anything built on top of this new infrastructure is going to be regenerative by default. You know, I think if we improve the defaults across, you know, 
the future economy, you know, by default, anything will be kind of net positive, regardless of what one builds on top. Like if you build a game on a regenerative economy, it'll work. Um, I guess I'll pause there. I mean, that's like the the start of what we're doing. And then we've realized that in order to make that work, we actually have to do a lot more around like vetting of projects. And that gets us into like how we think about building our climate council um, and vetting projects. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep diving deeper. So uh, your protocol is allowing uh, any staking blockchain to then uh, use those staking rewards, part of them, to then uh, go towards climate action? Correct. So what we have now um, allows validators on Celo um, to split their revenue towards a public good. Um, and if you look at, in addition to people who are staking with said validators, so it kind of meets people wherever they're at. Um, and we're quickly expanding to Polygon and ETH as well. Um, so pretty much chain agnostic. It's more of like a like a launch strategy and a go-to market of like, you know, you have to start somewhere. Um, so that, for validators in particular, allows them to now be differentiated. Um, if you know anything about, you know, if you've ever staked Celo or Solana or any asset you have, you've probably gone to some kind of like validator explorer. And you've looked at them and tried to like sort them based on the amount of stake they have or their uptime or their commission, then they all start to look pretty much the same. Um, and I think that's both unfortunate and a massive opportunity at the same time. Um, because it standing for some kind of public good is a really, really good differentiator. And currently that's not easily possible. Um, so we like literally like a week or two ago um, launched like a new flag that validators can add when they set up their solo validator that easily lets them set like a delegator address. And now on the validator explore, you can sort or explore a validator stake with based on values that align with you, um, which moves us from a commodity of yield maximization to a commodity of value-based staking. That's awesome. I really like that. And uh, I, I think it's really important to stress. I really want to underline, you know, the point you made earlier about an infrastructure play. You know, there's it, it's if you if you fix the foundation. Right of of a tower or something, then everything that's built on top, right, all the all the tech that gets built on top, whether it's games or you know decentralized social networks or whatever, all these other use cases that are, that are coming down the road, those all by nature, just by build being built on that foundation, having that infrastructure, are going to be regenerative. And I think that's that's I think one of the most important things to really understand about regenerative finance is that it's it's not just a uh, like a a bunch of tech that's just trying to be plugged into older solutions. It's actually brand new solutions that are leveraging this new technology. So it's really about the leverage that you can get, right? When you when you start to fix the infrastructure, it's it, it, you can have that that massive exponential impact by fixing some small tweaks on the on the infrastructure layer. Yeah, I mean, my my grand vision is like every time a transaction is done on chain, what if money was being funneled towards climate impact. I think that would be amazing. And that's like something that we're really actively trying to build at Spirals. Yeah, I love that you said sharing block rewards uh, with climate. <laughs> and so um, just to get a little deeper for some of our listeners who maybe are newer to the space, like how is this actually working? Like, uh, can you talk about maybe the smart contract integration or, or you know, just a, a little bit more like top level on, on how this is being implemented because i know a lot of people still like you said helena like think that crypto is just you know nfts and pump and dump so like you know how how is this tech actually you know being implemented yeah totally i'm gonna make the assumption that the listener here is not about it or operator and it's instead somebody who's staking 
Um, so if you have coins sitting in your wallet, those coins were at some point minted. Um, so the, the blockchain itself is kind of constantly creating more coins, which causes inflation in the network. Those coins for most chains, like you look at Celo, um, are being printed to the people who have staked um, and to the validators themselves. That's where the inflation is introduced, um, which means if you want to take part in said inflation and you want to earn some of those rewards, you need to lock up your coins and stake with a validator. And the, the Web2 version of this is pretty much putting your money into government bonds. It protects you against inflation because some of the inflation is going into your pocket. Um, with government bonds, you, you know, lock your funds up for maybe months or years. Um, in Web3, that usually is like 72 hours. So a lot less fund commitment. Um, you're not liquid per se, but it's not like your funds are, are locked forever. E-staking is a whole other ballgame <laughs> just because of what's happening with the merge. But if you look at most chains that are currently proof of stake, it's like a three-day lockup where you now stake and you're passively earning rewards. That's like the current status quo. Um, and what I was mentioning before is actually the selection process of, of where you want to stake. Um, because your staking exists because, um, or like you're basically vouching for one of the computer nodes. That's signing transactions, right? So validators are the ones, they're the backbone of the economy, or the backbone of the, of the blockchain that allow any transactions to happen. When Aaron sends me money, one of these validators is like behind the scenes, like doing computation work um, to power any of that. Like that's where, it's, that's why funds are minted to them because that's like their incentive to provide computation power. Currently, they exist for profit and they earn more profit if they convince more people to stake with them. So you as a listener who holds Cello in your wallet can go and stake with one of them to incentivize them to keep doing their job, which is great. To reward the person staking, you also earn rewards. Um, I think the implementations right now are just super early because the entire ecosystem is early. So what we've added is an additional incentive layer where you basically share some of those rewards with the public good that you've decided on. And in our case, that happens to be climate. Um, and, and we've done a lot of work in sourcing the highest quality climate impact projects that look beyond carbon, um, but carbon is, is a subset of what we're looking at. Um, but basically, you're sharing some of those rewards with a cause that you care about, um, moving kind of the current ecosystem where you pretty much just bet on one of these validators for really no good reason uh, to now being able to bet on one of them based on the causes that they support on the that's really cool. Yeah. Incentivizing them to to put, put some of that profit towards something good. And we love here on the Block Explorer to talk about carbon tunnel vision. So we're we're glad that you're <laughs> you're addressing other things than just carbon because yeah, we know there's a lot more uh, at stake in uh in the ecosystem. Let's let's dive in a little bit on those projects. Um how how does the funds um get allocated to certain projects or you know, how do you select the high quality projects? Great question. So we have a like a review process um, where projects can, with SPRL governance, propose themselves to be added to the queue. Uh, and then we have a real world, real people, <laughs> experts that are reviewing these projects. Um, and until they give it like a green light, um, it can't actually receive funding. So they approve this project. And then immediately once it's been added to like the whitelist of projects that receive funding, we immediately start purchasing forward contracts from these projects. Um, and a forward contract in this climate world is you know, a signal that you know, once a credit is produced, 
you know, they will pay that to us. Um, the reason that we believe, you know, forwards and futures is, you know, the better approach is because it allows us to fund, you know, the next set of, of carbon projects. Um, we have, and we think that's just like the best way of having tangible impact right now, like financing the next thing to be done. Um, so basically, we purchase the forward contracts and then let those vest into credits. And we store those in a nice, large natural asset treasury um, that everybody that's contributing ends up having governance over. So if you as a staker use our DAP and you decide, hey, I want to give up some of my block rewards to fund the highest quality climate impact projects. In return for sending some of your yield to us, we give you governance um, that allows you to kind of control things um, in the natural asset treasury. In addition to you actually getting to decide how your money flows. So, um, you know, some of the projects we're working with are like carbon path and plastics. And if you wanted to funnel all of your funds towards, you know, one project, you totally could. You get to basically control um, the full allocation potential that you've contributed. Um, and you can rest assured that any any project you choose is going to have a high impact because that's what we're filtering for. Um, and then that, I think, alleviates a lot of the pressure on people um, in when they're deciding how to how to contribute to climate. Where right now, all we, a lot of what we're seeing out there is it's hard to gauge what's what's real and what's not. That's a great uh, summary of of how it all works. I really like that. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, you know, high quality carbon projects. So how how does that selection process or like that vetting process uh, go? And 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 how does the a, a staker then get to participate in that? Yeah, totally. So we've um, modeled a lot of the mechanics of review after Scribe Climate's process. Um, we love how meth- like methodological, if that's how you pronounce that word, they've been um, in their selection process where they've brought experts who specialize in like one field in addition to generalists that work across carbon markets um, onto that review committee. Uh, and it's it's very much like consent-based. So unless somebody strongly disapproves of a project and others are there for vouching it, it gets approved. Um, and and then it kind of gets listed um, to be to be purchased. And um, this part of our you know actual product available online has not yet been built, and we're doing it quite manually, um, just to kind of run through the loops a few times. That's similar to our approach with governance. That like you know the further we can delay this and and learn from doing real world things, the better. Um, but the other part of your question, as in how does the community play a part in this? Um, the community uh, on Public forums can help discuss and amplify some of the projects in that review process. Um, so you can imagine, you know, there's a backlog of 100 projects that the council has to review. And we've been very selective with who can be on this council for obvious reasons. Um, but the community can help the council by showing support for the projects in the review queue. And if a member uh, is really, really good at sourcing projects and vouching for projects that continuously get approved um, and basically making good bets, uh, they receive additional governance um, and they can kind of move up as a contributor in the whole ecosystem. Uh, and and through that, we hope to kind of build this like scalable verification model. Um, if I had to compare it to like a Web2 trend, it's going from like an encyclopedia to a Wikipedia, you know, where we have checks and balances, where contributions to climate review can scale um, and we can hopefully solve like the biggest bottleneck in, you know, high quality project auditing. That's incredible. I, I, I think that's, I want to, you know, 
one of the things that, you know, blockchain is great at doing, right? The the whole carbon market and this whole area, right? It's been very obfuscated and, you know, hard to really verify a lot of things. And you don't know really sure, what, you know, what's really in some of these like, you know, black box carbon credits. So that's what the whole refi movement is excellent at doing is bringing all this stuff to the light and, and allowing us to actually see the data and have it verified and then be able to work with that. And, and then you're allowing the, the cream to rise to the crop, right? So it's almost like a, it's almost like a Yelpification of it too. You know, there's like the, mm-hmm. the Wikipedia, but I also kind of compare it to, you know, there's, there's going to be a way to really see the impact of the best projects over time. And then those can continue to, you know, you continue to fund those teams or those projects. So um, when you mentioned some of these projects, so what are what are some of the examples maybe of some of the projects that you're you're considering funding or that are on the horizon? One that I'm personally super excited about is Carbon Path. Um, they shut down oil and gas wells. Um, in working with the team, especially with Eric, I've learned so much about oil and gas. Um, you know, one interesting fact is like you look at the production curves of an oil well. And it's actually this curve that dwindles pretty quickly. And oil companies have no reason to ever like shut down a well, right? So oil production pretty much gets down to some inconsequential amount and they walk away. When they walk away, there's still this like pipe sticking out of the ground, releasing nothing. So a really easy way and low hanging fruit around reducing methane emissions is actually to go and stop these methane emissions from abandoned and orphaned oil well. Um, and that's exactly what they do. And their team has expertise in oil and gas. They worked in oil and gas for decades, and now they've kind of come to this other side of the climate problem um, and are experts in shutting them down. Um, so they basically create you know, verifiable data on-chain about shutting down old, like orphaned and abandoned oil wells and bring that credit on-chain. That's great. Yeah. Um, especially the, the MRV side of things, right? Um, being able to verify. And so is there a, like a blockchain mechanism or is it more of like a sensor that is verifying um, this, this removal of, of uh, leaking gases and whatnot? Yes. So everything they're doing is kind of like they're scaling up their process along with scaling up their remote monitoring. That's something that, you know, you asked earlier about like, trends we're seeing in the space and and that's one big one like i think any successful like cdr project or you know eco project has to have like an affiliated or associated um remote monitoring technology along with it um and we're also seeing this trend where projects are end-to-end tokenizing themselves and self-auditing and that's great like i'm glad all that data is on chain but you still need some kind of like lightweight audit on top of all these like self-verification methodologies um which i think it's pretty exciting and hopefully kind of where we can support some of these projects and just creating this like third party, like non-biased body, sorry, <laughs> a third party, uh, like auditing body that doesn't, um, that isn't influenced or swayed in any way because we don't take fees anywhere. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely. That, um, that credibility is important. Is, is there like a full circle aspect where, um, the decommissioning of the orphan wells then feeds carbon credits back into the spirals protocol? Yes. I think if I understand your question correctly. So we're like when it's decommissioned, um, we get those credits. And then in theory, we could sell those credits or allow someone to retire them um, directly through our platform. Very cool. Well, and then and then what happens with uh, the funds from those carbon credits? Does that get re- that gets reinvested into the community while that can be used for new projects? Or how does what do you do with those funds? Yeah, so they get 
just reinvested directly into the project. Um, and we're working out like all the details um, still. Uh, and I think it'll be very much an evolving process. But right now you can imagine, hey, we we forward fund one of these like OLLs at like a, some kind of a discount that vests into a credit. And then when somebody comes and retires the credit, uh, those funds go back and fund 2x the amount of forward contracts, right? So it creates this like regenerative flywheel. So like as much as we can, we're thinking about every single component and incentive design as how can we this like create like a flywheel effect um, and and do more than the input um, to create like positive climate impact. Yeah, we love that. Um, we we love collaboration in the space too. Are you working with Timo and Basin Dow on some of this orphan well stuff? Yes, uh, we just had a wonderful conversation with Timo earlier this week. Um, love what they're doing at Basin Dow. Yeah, awesome. Um, you talked about it a little bit earlier uh, with like the, re- the remote monitoring or needing uh, a third party credibility. But what other challenges are in the space uh, that you've been seeing that that um, are are some that need to still be addressed? Oh, there's so much to talk about here. Oh my goodness. I mean, I think one exciting topic that we've been riffing on a lot about internally is just like carbon coin tokenomic design um, and and what that looks like. I think a lot of people who talk about designing some kind of like nature-backed currency are doing like a one-to-one peg between a like the carbon coin and then some kind of backed natural asset. Um, and we've started to challenge that premise entirely. Um, that's like, I think one thing that's, I don't know if that's where you were heading. We can dive into any topic you might be interested in. Well, yeah, I think maybe there's uh, there's two things there to pull apart. I think there's maybe specific challenges that you're coming up against uh, in your project. And then we can zoom out and then maybe look at some maybe bigger challenges happening in the in the whole refi or crypto space in general. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I guess challenges that that we're coming across is that there seems to be a lack of like consensus on like what is a standard for a token um, that represents ecological assets. How do you move beyond carbon reductionism um, and properly value you know co benefits of something? Um, speaking a lot with like actually Ale from Gitcoin and how she thinks about hyperserts, and um, I think there's a really interesting model that we're at least exploring where you know we give a combination of immediate funding or immediate rewards with our governance token, in addition to a retroactive funding on impact um, that's been more actualized or we can assess in a more holistic way. Um, So I think that's one of the biggest challenges is like we lack accounting for all the other co-benefits that surround a a carbon credit. If you, if you imagine like impact as like a, a, a superset of a carbon credit, if that's even the right word, um, so that I think has been the hardest challenge for us because we we care very deeply about moving beyond carbon. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic answer. And you, like you mentioned, there's there's a lot of other uh, co benefits that it's still kind of hard to account for. So I, I I'm excited for some you know innovations to happen in that space. And then you know zooming out further, you know what are some of the challenges that you're seeing um, in the refi space as a whole? The refi space as a whole, I think. Okay, massive like request for product here actually for listeners. Um, I think we need a a primitive carbon credit or carbon coin or something that has a kickback built in. Um, and if nobody builds this, we're probably going to go build this. Um, and and what I mean by this is really um, something that 
makes financialization and speculation on natural assets good. Where when I send you an NCT, part of that NCT is actually captured and goes back into like, you know, the pool that then funds more carbon credit creation. Um, and that fee has to be so small that it doesn't prevent people from actually speculating, um, but large enough where in aggregate speculation becomes really, really, really good for the planet. Um, and I think that's pretty exciting. And that's more of like, like a primitive and you can make that as a wrapper for all like natural assets out there. That's really cool. Yeah, I like that. Well, you heard it, listeners. A call to action. <laughs> if you don't do it, Helena will. <laughs> or, or more so, I think I think Doug from our team will. Um, so yes. if Doug's listening to this, I'm sorry I shared that idea. We just need it built. <laughs> well, let's let's um, yeah dive in like uh, a little bit more of like uh, the roadmap moving forward. Um, like let our listeners know like how they can get involved right now with what you guys are doing, and then also what's on the the horizon for Spirals Protocol. Totally. I think one way you can get involved, you know, if you are part of some kind of refi project, you know, we'd love to talk about getting you listed. Um, like we mentioned before, there's no fees. Um, so really, hopefully, that's simple to get you onboarded. Uh, and if you, you know, are sitting on Cello and not using it right now, our Cello staking is live. Um, ping us on on Twitter, and we'll get you onboarded onto the beta app. Uh, it's the audit should be completed by September 12th. Right now, there's it's all greenlit, um, but that's the only kind of blocker on on kind of going public with with the staking experience. Um, yeah, I guess those are the two calls to action. Um, come find us on Twitter. Cool. And so, um, if, if a listener want to to get involved, that would be to then like get involved to to use their cello uh, to stake within your guys's you know ecosystem to then fund projects essentially. Yeah, so they would be able to, in like probably the lowest risk possible way, um, maximize their climate impact. Um, so we don't ever touch their principal. Um, you would stake, and then we capture the yield, and then we put that yield into these natural assets, and then you get governance to own own that set of natural assets, um, and you could at any point unstake. So it's not like it's binding you in any way. And we actually just rolled out CUSD staking as well, so you can have your money sit in like a stable asset um, just and treat us like your green bank essentially or your green savings account. Okay, cool. Yeah. We love the, the DeFi, uh, you know, primitives that, that can be <laughs> unlocked with that. Um, and, and so that's cool. Um, so you have USD staking with, with Cello. Uh, any other roadmaps on the horizon that, that we should be keeping an eye out for with you guys? Yeah. So ETH and Polygon should be coming soon as well. Stay tuned. Um, those would be pretty exciting. Um, and we're actively also building out our like climate council um, and playing around with our governance and running some simulations to see you know what are some scenarios that might happen if we um, when we launch our token. Um, but we're not rushing into that just because of all the different stakeholders we have. So you know if you want to riff on you know building natural asset backed treasuries and natural asset backed like currencies, like come find us. Um, would love to jam on some ideas. Awesome. Well. Lots of good alpha there too, you know. Stay stay tuned for all the fun stuff that you guys are building. I, I can't wait. So let's zoom out a little bit and and look at the crypto space as a whole. You know, it's 2022. It's we're almost you know it's winding down into fall. Um, the macro world looks kind of like kind of funky. So mm-hmm. what are you, what are what are your kind of views on like where crypto is going in the next year or so? And and maybe what are some maybe misconceptions people have about the space? 
Great question. I mean, I think I personally probably live in a bubble. Um, and everyone I'm currently in that bubble with agrees that this is like a low that will turn into yet another high. Um, so Aaron, I don't know if you've been hearing different things in, in your part of the world. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's exciting. I think, you know, a lot of it, what's been exciting for me is I really think a lot of, um, really talented builders are working in the space. And it's been exciting to see, even with kind of the crypto winter, is that so many people are still building and still excited. Um, and I think in refi especially, that's been present as we've seen kind of a drop off in some of these, you know, more um, DeFi things. But certainly the like, the refi community is really building strong. And so, I mean, I'm super bullish on where refi is going. And I think as we, you know, reach um, the merge and just as crypto gets more, you know, mainstream, I'm just really excited. I mean, I think the day as we like improve education, the day where I can say, you know, I work in, you know, the intersection of climate and crypto and people don't go, oh, you're trying to destroy the planet with crypto because crypto is <laughs> bad and terrible. I think he's going to be a huge day. And I think I think that is in the somewhat near future. Um, so I think that's really exciting. Yeah, uh, that misunderstanding of of climate and crypto being at odds uh, is is a really good one that that we we hope to keep dispelling. So uh, you know, folks like you creating this protocol uh, is exactly the type of uh, real world examples that we want to showcase to let people know that there is this incredible technology out there that that can help coordination and help solve a lot of these these issues. So no, that's exciting to hear that that the space is uh, so motivating for you too. To finish on that, do you guys have any uh, events or you know refi events coming up uh, within the community or anything that you're really excited about? Some of our team will be in Colombia at the end of this month. Um, there's a lot happening there, from like refi Barachara to Cosmosverse to um, some some other things out there. So um, would love to like link up with other regions in the area. Um, we will likely be hosting something in San Francisco in, next month. Um, at the Cello office, um, and stay tuned for more details on that. Sweet. What was the Columbia? Uh, it was Refi. Refi Barachara. It's um, a super neat project, super remote. You like have to fly into, well, I don't think there's a direct flight to Medellin even. So you fly right into Bogota, then you go to Medellin, and then it's either like a 10 hour bus ride or like another like in country flight, and then a three hour bus ride, and then you finally get to this magical part of Colombia. Um, where they're doing some really cool um, regenerative work uh, and trying to build it, like build it even into like a hub for for refi. Um, but I don't even have all the details. So excited to kind of see what comes out of that project. Um, and there's some other really fun like refi working groups kind of happening um, surrounding Cosmosverse. Um, and then I know there's also Shelling Point um, happening again um, early next month as well. Okay, cool. Well, listeners, you heard it here. Uh, go to spirals.so and uh, start getting involved. Make your stake rewards go to an impact that you care about. Uh, anything else that we didn't cover that you want to let our listeners know or finish with today that we that we didn't ask about? I think that's all for now. Um, reminder to touch some grass today. I feel obligated to say that as a reason, but <laughs> I don't think anything else is top of mind. Yeah, it's been an awesome conversation with both of you. Um, I feel definitely inspired by what you're building and uh, definitely looking forward to exploring more of what your project as you 
progress. Thank you so much, Colin and Cash. This was wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks to you, too. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a rating, a review, and share our podcast. We'd like to give a big thank you to our friend Matthew Patrick Donner, who's responsible for the Block Explorer production, including our music, mixing, and editing. Thank you for exploring the world of blockchain with us. Crypto is changing the world, and we're here to ensure that you're ready. Please subscribe to our podcast and do share this with any of your crypto climate skeptic friends. We look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Cheers. Cheers.